0: Welcome to I Wish I Knew, a Twitter research podcast. Each episode, you'll hear from different researchers at Twitter as we explore why research matters and celebrate the people and culture surrounding the work. Research is the spark that ignites countless insights, ideas, and solutions. It connects us to the humanity on the platform in deeply empathetic and inspiring ways, and it helps us better serve the public conversation. So, we hope you'll join along and tweet us your questions at Twitter Research.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome to our latest episode of I Wish I Knew, a Twitter research podcast. I'm Daria Pilgrim. My pronouns are she and her. I have long, curly hair, which is extra curly in this humidity, and I'm wearing a stripy shirt, my favorite. I am a senior researcher at Twitter, and I'm focused on health, which we'll talk more about later in this episode. I'm joined today by my fellow colleague and friend, Ruben Gomez.
0: Hi, Daria. Hi, everyone. I'm Ruben. My pronouns are he, him. I'm a male with medium-length brown hair and wearing a dark blue shirt, and I'm also an experienced researcher focused on health.
1: In this episode, we're going to be talking about our very nonlinear paths into research at Twitter. We will both share about what we do here now, how we got here, and how you can build your own career in research. But before we kick it off, just a quick note, Ruben and I are hosting this episode, but also there are so many amazing, brilliant, and talented researchers on our teams that they will be sharing their experiences in future episodes.
0: Nowadays, Twitter is working in a very decentralized way. We can work from almost anywhere in the world. So I'm wondering where this podcast finds you, Daria.
1: That's a great question. Thanks to our new policies, I was able to move from San Francisco to Nashville, Tennessee. It is very dark and stormy, but 85 degrees, hence the crazy curly hair. What about you, Ruben?
0: I'm in San Francisco and it feels like it's 85 degrees, but it's quite lovely out and a change of pace between the fog. So before we dive into today's topic, let's give our listeners more of a background on what we do at Twitter and how we ended up here. So I'm an experienced researcher on the health team. I'm specifically focused on researching how we can make Twitter more safe. My research explores how we might encourage and incentivize healthy experiences on Twitter. And before joining Twitter, I was a consultant for multiple startups in the States and abroad. At one of the startups, we were experiencing some slightly irregular activity that I noticed on our performance dashboards. This was an event that piqued my interest and I dove in and began to investigate why and how this event was happening. Fortunately and unfortunately, that research led me down a rabbit hole uncovering more about online abuse and uh, how it was proliferating on the platform that we were building i became extremely interested in this research area so much so that i began to read published work on the topic and sought out companies that i felt were addressing this problem at a much larger scale i chose research as a career because research as a practice allows you to interrogate problems It allows you to find answers to problems that you and perhaps your organization or institution are the most interested in. So I'm really curious, Daria, what led you to do research? Tell the listeners why you chose research as a career.
1: That is a really interesting question. I would say in my past life, I kept trying to move away from research and then finding my way back into it. And I think that's because, similar to your experience, research became for me a very neutral platform to talk about some really tricky issues that I was involved in. And I discovered that I was just really good at listening to people and then mapping out really complex issues and systems. And so that skill set fit well with where research teams were at the time. And so I just kept finding these niche areas to study, and then in the study of those areas, found more unique pathways to apply what I was learning. So in my past life, I was embedded on a Navy ship at sea twice for six months each in South America and Southeast Asia, followed by a year in Afghanistan, and eventually a year in Mogadishu, Somalia, with the US mission there. And in each of these experiences, I was developing a deeper interest in how various groups and networks operate and ways that I could surface insights quick enough to affect operations at the time when I was embedded with the military and eventually policies when I was doing some work at the Pentagon and with the State Department. And then I decided to transition into tech. And because there was a role called researcher, it was a natural way to make that transition. Although showing up for interviews and trying to showcase a portfolio of work that had been previously pretty classified was really tricky. so I really had to drive home my natural curiosity about humans And really needed to understand better what the role of user research was and how we could use that to affect, in this case, products and policies. My inaugural job actually didn't bring me home. It took me to 17 countries and 43 cities. And I basically lived out of a suitcase for those 18 months. And then after almost two years in tech, I had gotten this fellowship in Europe. And what was so interesting was when I applied for the fellowship, I had worked with the government. And I thought that having this government title would make it easier to interact with politicians that we would be meeting during this fellowship. It was the German Marshall Fund's fellowship in Europe. And while I was there, I kept getting singled out as the person who worked in tech and I would be asked all of these questions about algorithms and how do we get dangerous groups offline? And of course, at that time, I couldn't answer those questions, but it really piqued my interest about these intersections between tech and ethics, and also revealed a lot of interesting gaps between how politicians and policymakers think about technology and what we actually do within a tech company and how those different priorities don't always align with each other. So when I came back to the United States, Twitter was an an obvious fit for me. I was interested in those questions, and I had been a user of Twitter for many years in a lot of dangerous places. I, I got a lot of my news and information from citizen journalists, and while in those places I was very concerned with danger of those journalists and the risks of reporting some of those things, I also found that there were a lot of issues internally that would be really interesting to work on. So now I'm a senior researcher on health and I'm focused specifically on two areas, harmful group activity and another area, which is a new initiative called Red Teams, which is facilitated exercises that we do with teams across the company to think critically and pressure test our ideas and our thinking about what we're proposing to do. So speaking of which, I think now it's a great time to actually talk about transferable skills that are useful for a research career. You and I both came from very different places, and we've found a home here with Twitter. And I'm really curious, what are some of the skills that you've brought with you from some of these places where you've been?
0: Such a great question, Daria. I suppose a good transferable skill is the ability to to develop good questions. It's, it's very difficult to develop a good question, good research question. But I think it's a very important transferable scale to bring to Twitter or to any organization or institution or endeavor that you choose to join, because developing good questions are probably the most important aspect to being a good researcher. It involves listening to, to your stakeholders, listening to your organization or institution, your partners, your users or customers, and definitely Listening to the environment, both locally and globally.
1: Definitely. I would put stakeholder mapping at the top of my list, and also the ability to map out really complex systems and to zoom out from the problem as given to us. And the reason I brought these two up, you know, first of all, at Twitter, especially in this distributed world, I have found that there are often numerous teams which have a lot of the same questions and we're all working in silos, and there weren't many mechanisms to bring all these folks together and rally around a core problem area, which is why I started the Red Team program as a mechanism to do that, to bring folks together and really map out all of the stakeholders who really care about a problem and what resources they have to address the problem. And this has been very surprising because sometimes we have a product or engineering solution, but in other cases, it's a communications technique that we need to adapt. And oftentimes these teams don't know about each other until they're actively working on something or launching something. So I think stakeholder mapping is just very critical for understanding, especially your internal teams and beginning the process of networking so that you can really provide a comprehensive overview of what the problem is and what resources we might have to solve that problem. And of course, outside of the company, it's important to understand stakeholders from the perspective of various users. You need to understand these different perspectives and how the same technology being developed in one area is going to impact or be impacted by cultural issues and economic issues and political issues in those different places. Understanding how all those players and dimensions interact with each other can be very useful in avoiding what i might call strategic surprise when something new launches the other thing is i'm constantly looking at how to update my skills so you know getting a foot in the door to do research in tech can be really tricky business and it's not always very straightforward And a book that I'm thinking of is What Got You Here Won't Get You There. I don't know if you've ever heard of that book.
0: I have, I think you've recommended to me in the past.
1: I have, Marshall Goldsmith. I think that's really important too, because as we begin talking about what transition might require for coming into research, it's important to know that the skills that might've gotten you here to a tipping point of making a decision to move into research May not get you there, meaning you might have the best methodologies and this solid track record of good research and good reporting and good presentations. But once you get into a company like Twitter, it's also about being able to work with your cross functional partners and understanding how to actually coordinate, especially in this distributed world. And that's not always so straightforward. So Those softer skills are just as important as some of the harder skills of research and methodology.
0: Definitely agree with you on that, Daria.
1: So maybe Ruben, we can share with our listeners a little bit about our experience of transitioning into research at a tech company and what that experience was like for us and how to make it smooth for others who want to come along.
0: One of the most important things to learn as a researcher is to learn about your team or your organization's product development process. So at Twitter, we have our own product development process. We call it something specific. We have specific steps that we take all the way to feature launch. And one of the most important elements of any product development process is the discovery phase. This happens early on. It's the very first thing you would do as a researcher when starting a new project. Discovery is where you as a researcher attempt to uncover what we or the product team does not know. Discovery helps you remove assumptions, and it also helps you confirm assumptions. Uh, You should talk to internal experts like product managers, other researchers, designers, engineers, and data scientists. Externally, we often engage with academia across many of the areas that involve health. And then from a business perspective, Discovery allows you to inform your team whether it's worth investing resources like time, engineering efforts, data science into the specific project or feature that you're most interested in.
1: I'm glad you brought up that process. It's an area I did not know about before I joined tech, but it's not the only process that's important. So I think in addition to products, we also have robust communications plans. We have get to market plans like how we're actually going to launch the product in these different markets and also we have to think about on the safety side especially reporting and policies and enforcement of those policies. And so I would say at Twitter I've had to learn how all of these other processes are also going on simultaneous to that product cycle. Another area that can help with transition is keeping these sort of dueling priorities in balance. Like you want to hit the ground running and you want to provide good insights that are informing decisions and informing products. But at the same time, we're not a service organization. Research has a responsibility for understanding the bigger picture and for providing to our stakeholders the real issues and the ground truth as we understand it from the perspective of our users and from academic partners that we work with and other nuggets of information that we're gleaning from the external world as well as deep diving with our partners on data science and other teams internally. And so I think another aspect of transition that can really help folks when they're considering research is how to balance the doing of the research at a very tactical level with maintaining this, you know, 35,000 foot view of the problem and balancing out how we translate those insights into actionable outcomes. That's pretty difficult to do. And I think for folks who see the word research, just keeping in mind that the doing of the research is just one component of success in a job like this. So Ruben, I'm actually really curious. What is one piece of advice you wish you had learned sooner in your research career?
0: That's such a great question. I would say that research is as much about the process of performing the actual research as much as it's about co-owning the actual implementation of your research. And what I mean by that is as research is always on from the beginning of any project or idea all the way to the very end and then back around again across the entire product life cycle. And this means developing close relationships with your stakeholders to see your research through all the way to implementation. And for me, it's, it's an important opportunity to learn with your stakeholders, to build trust and to own the results. And I really think that that's an extremely important thing that all researchers should keep in mind as they begin to pursue their research career or iterate on an existing career or continue to develop themselves. What about you, Daria? What do you wish you've learned sooner?
1: Actually, that's a really hard one to follow up, Ruben, because you're so right You know, I think when we think about research, it's you do all of this research and synthesis and analysis, you get it down in a report, you share the report, and nobody's reading the report. So the process of ushering those insights and making them interesting and finding yourself in the right meetings to surface those insights and translating them, that is such a difficult skill that just takes a lot of practice. And I would say personally, You know, you have to make a lot of mistakes to figure out just the right balance of how to do that. Another couple things I would share with folks, you know, stick to what's interesting. If you're working on projects that you're really, truly dedicated to, you will draw people into that area of interest. You will build communities of practice and you will navigate to folks across the organization who care deeply about those issues with you. And that's been super helpful at Twitter when surfacing information that can be uncomfortable to hear. And finally, along those lines, I think it's really important to create safe space for alternative views. Again, not to hone in on this point too much, but I think that's really the power of RED teams. We're really creating a safe space for concerns to come up and for new ideas to be raised by folks who may not always have had a seat at the table. And being able to do that as a researcher really demonstrates to other teams that we are here to be partners we want to be thought partners and we also want to elevate good thoughts that are coming from people all across the company that's the advice that i think would would be really helpful here
0: so in every episode of i wish i knew we want to answer questions that we come across within our at Twitter research handle. So today we're gonna tackle a fun recruiting question that's pretty evergreen in our field. And that question is, how do I stand out in an interview for a research position at a company like Twitter? Daria, how would you answer that question?
1: Oh, Ruben, I'm so glad that's our question. I mean, I would say come in ready to discuss an issue that you really care about and be able to discuss how it relates to the platform and the technology that you're interested in working on. For me, candidates that come in with a strong idea of how the platform operates and the potential for how we might leverage the platform always stand out. I think also, you know, again, being a systems thinker, I'm always really appreciative of folks who can talk about the broader systems at play. Who's involved? Who are the winners and losers of these ideas? Can you Define whether this is actually a product or design or policy or enforcement issue, and then talk us through how you would structure your efforts. Who would you seek to meet with? What stakeholders do you need to bring along the learning journey with you? What questions would you prioritize? We want to understand how you think, not just what you think. And in this case, that means being open to creative ideas for how you'd approach a particular issue area.
0: That's very thoughtful, Daria. I completely agree with you. For me, I'd say come in with a question or a set of questions that you'd like to answer that are related to the role that you're interviewing for. Whatever role on the research team, whatever level, I should say. An easy way to develop questions is by performing some desk research, probing the recruiter that you're speaking to, probing your phone screens. They might be other research managers. They might be designers. They might be product managers. And use that information to come up with some questions that you'd like to collaborate on with the folks that you're interviewing with. We're building in public now. You might have come across some tweets stating that and some of uh, the designers or researchers that are tweeting that stuff out. So information on what we're actually working on is a lot more accessible and easier to find. Just search Twitter. I think this is a great way to show your curiosity and demonstrate your ability for your interview panel to see you in the role.
1: Oh, Ruben, that was awesome. Absolutely. Thank you to everyone for tuning into this episode of I Wish I Knew. We covered a ton of topics, and I hope that hearing some of the non-traditional paths we took to join the research community inspires you to start a career in research. You can reach out to us. I'm at Daria J.P., D-A-R-Y-A, J-P, or Rubencio. One R-U-B-E-N-Z-E-O-1 or you can join the conversation and tweet us any questions at Twitter Research to have them answered in future episodes.
0: Yeah, this has been fun. We'll have new episodes coming soon so please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform so you don't miss out. Thanks so much, everyone.
1: Thank you.